Welcome to the Sensualchemy School podcast, where we explore grief, pleasure, and the sometimes messy, always beautiful paradox that exists between the two. Here, as we center the experience of our wise bodies through the archetypal feminine, we ask, within a culture that perceives emotional, intuitive, and creative intelligence as inferior and avoids pain at all costs, what if grief were our compass and pleasure our medicine? My name is Kate Leeper, and I'm so grateful you're here. My loves, it's so nice to be back. Thank you for all of your support so far. I've received such beautiful messages from many of you regarding the first three episodes and the different ways they have resonated with you. And it means the world to be sharing so vulnerably, but also really standing for this work and owning how powerful it can be for women just like you and me to you know, have this kind of support in moving through the world in your most honest, fullest spectrum of humanity without shame, without dismissing the loss and the grief that you've experienced, without abandoning your body and its truth and knowing, and without letting the world tell you that your desires don't matter or that your pleasure doesn't matter because it all matters. And the more that we can honor our messiest, truest selves in our pain and our pleasure, the more that we can all be liberated from the shackles of patriarchal conditioning that says that as women, we need to stay neat, pretty, and boxed up to be acceptable. Anyhow, there's me letting off some steam, but again, (laughs) so much gratitude. If you haven't yet subscribed or left a review and you'd like to show some love, I would be super thankful because your reviews will allow this podcast to be found more easily for those who need it and the good word of grief and pleasure alchemy to spread across the land. (laughs) Okay, so today I want to speak to you about one of the core guiding tenets of the sensualchemy philosophy. And this relates to how safely and comfortably we feel able to trust our bodies and the information it presents to us. And even more specifically, how willing we might be to listen and trust our broken hearts as a form of guidance and truth in our lives. So this is big. And I'm going to guess that because you found this podcast, the idea that your body holds some kind of wisdom may not be groundbreaking to you. Now, this may be a new concept to you. And if it is, I want you to know that if it feels strange, unfamiliar, and wildly uncomfortable even, this notion of allowing your body to lead and trusting that it knows what to do, then that would be because there's a huge chance that your home environment or your school or your tertiary education or the culture you've grown up in has never given you any indication that your body is in fact an incredible resource of knowledge and wisdom. Devastatingly, 
all of us, men, women, and non-binary folks, we've all been programmed to perceive the intellect as a far superior resource. Our faith has been directed into books written by the church and away from our internal guidance system. Our trust has been directed towards systems and institutions of power and away from our wild discerning instincts. Our trust has been directed towards systems and institutions of power, prescribed criteria regarding what we should feel, should want, and should strive for. And our grief has been relegated to a medical and pathological model that maintains strict confines of what is deemed as acceptable when it comes to expressions of emotional pain, instead of honestly contacting the ways in which our deep embodied knowing would have us connect to and honour the complexity of the loss and pain that lives within us. Today, I want us to remember our bodies, particularly our aching hearts, because I can guarantee you that there is so much wisdom to be found in that space that perhaps you've been avoiding and perhaps you also know this. Maybe you sense that there is so much truth waiting to be accessed within the ache of your heart, but you're not sure how or where to start. Well, today is for you, dear one. I've noticed in my work with women and also in my own experience that when we can consciously move towards three significant shifts to do with how we relate to our bodies, our grief and our emotional expression, then trusting the wisdom of our broken heart becomes more available to us. And this isn't about a three-step solution, right? This is about fostering a complete unlearning of how we perceive our bodies and how we can begin to drop the shame that inhibits us from moving through the world as full, messy, and multifaceted humans. So that leads me to the first shift. And this one is a lifelong kind of shift, especially if you're a type A high achiever, which I know nothing about, of course. So here it is. It's letting go of the reins. Now I can hear you gasp from here and I see you and acknowledge how terrifying it might feel to consider what it might be like to forget about keeping your grief and sorrow nice and tidy, under control and inside an acceptable parameter before it spills over into too muchness. I get it. But here's the thing. Even if you're not consciously allowing your body the space to be with grief, to express and let it move, even if you believe you're doing a stellar job of being the boss of your heartache, please know that it is still running the show. 
I speak to this more in the very first episode of the podcast about how the losses that we accrue over time will dominate our every move if we choose not to intentionally engage with them. They don't go anywhere. You know, they live in our bodies. And so knowing this, I want you to get honest about how your life might be insidiously impacted by the layers of grief that have been left unattended to. And this is not about self-blame or shaming. This is a gentle reminder that your heartache serves a purpose and building a capacity to grieve in ways that can be sourcing and sustaining is a skill. It is not something that we've been taught in this culture. So we just need to learn and practice it. Now, I believe that this work of letting go of the metaphorical reins that we attempt to hold over our losses and emotional pain must absolutely be slow and gradual. What we want is to get to a place where our grief is allowed to live and breathe as an integral part of us, a part that needs a say, that deserves a say in our lives. We are so quick to both pathologize and apologize for our emotional responses to very real, big, agonizing losses and the needs that arise in relation to them. So here at Central Alchemy School, we're curious about the possibilities that arise if we learn to befriend our body instead of reject it or loathe its insistence on making a mess of our lives. We're here to learn to embrace that mess as intelligence, not something to be ashamed of. And no, this isn't just about feel it to heal it. This is about Feel it to transmute it. Feel it as a bold, unruly act of cultural resistance. We need for us to be less of an emotional prison guard and more of an emotional ally towards what our aching hearts need from us and the world. So with that being said, let's move on to shift number two. And this is kind of a natural extension. Once we let go of the reins over inner sorrow, angst and turmoil, this is kind of the reckoning, but with a huge dash of gentle self-honoring in the process. This shift is about permission. Now, permission is about giving your aching heart this allowance to stay in the awareness of what you desire to untangle from, but without pressure to move on it before you're ready. It is about honest communion with what your aching heart knows you're not ready to move on, that you don't have the capacity to confront or do anything about yet. And you know, this is actually a huge step. Because we're bombarded by messages in the self-help, self-development spaces just reeking of the pressure to make shit happen and hustle and push despite our bodies not being on board. So what happens is when we feel that sense of knowing 
that there's some deep stuff under the surface that needs to be acknowledged. But at this point, you're not sure you have the space for it or adequate support to be with it. So you're just going to pretend that it's not there and do your best to suppress it until it moves into your cells and tissues and becomes really sinister, right? So here I am saying in a culture obsessed with productivity, when we buy into the idea that we'll never amount to anything unless we heal ourselves, fix ourselves, push through pain to reach the other side, because if we don't, we're playing small and we're letting ourselves down, that is harmful, really harmful. And in fact, what actually happens is that even if your mind hears the messages and believes them and you think you're doing the mindset work to bust through your barriers, the truth is that your system is likely interpreting those messages at an embodied level as a threat because they are, they're threatening. They're threatening to your embodied intelligence intelligence that very well could be saying, I'm aware that I'm holding on to a tremendous amount of grief, but I don't feel I have the capacity nor the skills to meet with it yet. I want to pause here and say, this is where the permission piece is a game changer. This is where I want you to know that just because you're aware that you have the desire to be liberated from the tangled web of grief doesn't mean you have to do the untangling on anyone else's timeline. It doesn't mean that you are somehow a failure if you're not engaged in some hardcore therapy regime or on a self-improvement trajectory. I believe to untangle and reorient to our relationship to grief in ways that are deeply reverent and supportive to living our most authentic and aligned lives, we must start with this. Firstly, simply acknowledging your awareness of a desire to be in a different relationship to your grief without the pressure to have to do or fix immediately. And this awareness in its own time can be followed by an acknowledgement of what you are ready to move on and what you're not ready to move on yet. And the intuitive nudges you get around this is important and it needs to be a gesture of self-devotion that you go at the pace that feels right for you. Now, there is a side note here and Again, this comes back to your embodied intelligence. That is innate. However, sometimes need some support to untangle and to find clarity. For example, we think we know something as instinct. Yet, there are other factors at play that might be clouding our ability to access our instincts clearly. So in my own case, in the year after my sister died, grief swallowed me whole. And this sense of being completely overcome by grief is very common in the early years for people 
who suffer a momentous loss. And it wasn't just the grief that was debilitating. I was very much struggling with the post-traumatic nature of losing her because it was a very complex and chronic period of losses that felt relentless and very confusing. And as a result, I pretty much lived with the urge to blow up my life at every turn in that first year. I was aware of the million different puzzle pieces of my grief and I was seeing a therapist, an embodiment coach and had a wonderful loving support network. So I could theoretically understand what I was experiencing and I could process it and feel many layers of it to allow it to move through and and not stay frozen. But the additional impact of the trauma meant that my body was on such high alert due to my sympathetic nervous system kind of being stuck in this heightened fight-flight response. So my ability to trust my intuition was actually really clouded during this time because I perceived that I was constantly under threat. So where I was in fact safe in my home and in my relationship and all aspects of life in general, my sense of that was not online. So I wanted to fuck shit up. You know, I wanted to run and hide and then fight and blow up all the things that actually were keeping me safe. My body was demonstrating intelligence in that it was trying to keep me alive in a time where I literally thought the trauma of it all might kill me. But my grief was secondary here. My ability to engage with grief without it flooding my system wasn't there. So I had to address the trauma first. Now here at Sensual Alchemy School, our work is in illuminating our personal relationship to grief within the context of a collective cultural relationship to grief. We want to learn about, sensitize to, and become intimate with our grief, but we need to understand that there might be other factors like current and past trauma that are at play on our journey to trusting the wisdom of our bodies. And it's really helpful to be held by others who are trained to see where there's trauma at play and be able to discern between what is grief and what is trauma and how are they tangled together in order to empower you to befriend your body in ways that you trust what you need and when you need it. So permission is multi-layered, but Firstly, it's the permission to reject the speed and intensity that you might have been taught you need to go on on your own grief journey. Permission to simply stay at the awareness stage of the depth of your sorrow until you've built the infrastructure and the support to move closer to it. And this is different to suppression and ignoring. This is a process of self-honoring. And look, it might be cyclical and messy and that's, that's perfect. Okay, so the final shift, shift number three, is pivotal to continually coming back 
to your broken heart as the wisdom keeper of your body. So your broken heart being a truth teller in a world of shiny, plastic, curated scenes that can convince you to distrust what it is you know deeply. This shift is about zooming out. Zooming outwards to the social structures and the cultural conditions that require you to distrust your body, to stay in line. The essential question to ask here is, who benefits when I repress my grief and my true desires? Ultimately, who benefits when I'm disconnected to my body? For me personally, when I ask myself these questions, particularly in relation to my grief journey as a result of sexual violence, the answers that come to these questions point in one very clear, sombering direction. Who benefits from my lack of trust and reverence towards my body, my dismissal of my grief and rejection of pleasure? Well, it's the corporation selling everything from Botox to booze. It's the pharmaceutical companies. It's the self-help gurus. It's the tech billionaires. Essentially, it's capitalist patriarchy that soak up the benefits when we search outward to either numb ourselves from the inconvenience of our broken hearts or fix, quote unquote, ourselves from the inconvenience of our broken hearts. Now, marketing becomes a lot more powerful to women who believe that they're broken and in need of every remedy, beauty hack, modern device, you name it, to be enough. Over the woman who knows that her broken heart does not mean that she herself is broken, but that her broken heart indicates that there is much about the world that is in fact broken because it refuses to acknowledge and make space for her grief. Now, as always, I don't do shame here. I think it's important to recognize that whether we like it or not, we do live in a capitalist society and we are absolutely allowed to indulge in beautiful things and wanting to feel beautiful, whatever that means to us. And I don't believe there is anything inherently evil about money or beauty. I mean, I love beauty. I just want us to get real about the fact that grief is a major player in corporate dominance. The powers that be in this wildly misogynist world we live in don't give a fuck about our broken hearts. They just want us to buy their new mascara because once our lashes are long enough, we'll be forever happy, right? And it's important to add that also there might be people in your lives that benefit from you keeping your emotional pain under wraps. There might be family members, partners, bosses, others who will be forced to deal (laughs) with their own discomfort if you're courageous enough to express your own. This is very real and very intimidating. And could it be time to get comfortable with making other people uncomfortable? So, My loves, the moral of this story is not to necessarily boycott the mascara companies, (laughs) no, but it is to invite you to feel 
into what might shift. If you began to gently play with letting go of the reins and allowing your grief to communicate with you more honestly, what might happen if you gave yourself full permission to go at your own pace and build the support and capacity that you need to do this game-changing work? And what might happen if before each time you moved to numb or strive to fix your broken heart, you inquired, who might be benefiting each time I turn away from my embodied wisdom? <sighs> well, this has been another biggie, babes, <laughs> but a big topic that I hope has been really helpful to cover and has given you some food for thought, some reframes and an opening into exploring your broken heart in a new, softer, gentler way. If something struck a chord for you today, I want to give you the heads up that I'll be running a free online workshop next month. And it's going to tease apart some of what we've gone into today, but obviously lots, lots more. So I'll be releasing more info about that next week. But in the meantime, head on over to katelipa.com where you can opt into the email list and get the lowdown on all the classes and courses that are coming up for the remainder of this year and into 2023. And don't forget, while you're here and listening, I'd be ever so grateful if you'd rate and review the Sensual Alchemy School podcast if you've gained something from any of the episodes so far. Right, that's it for today. I'll be back next week with another super juicy topic. I think we'll really have you contemplating a few new things in some interesting ways. All right, see you then. Thank you for joining me today on the Sensual Alchemy School podcast. If you found this episode supportive or something landed for you here, please share it with your friends, family, and anyone who you feel might benefit. If you're loving this podcast, I'd be so grateful if you'd leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to ensure that we can keep bringing you the conversations you need. And if you want to connect, please find me at kateleeper.com or over on Instagram at kate.leeper. I'd love to hear from you.